there. I'm Courtney. And I'm Emily. And this is the Mostly Awkward Podcast. The place where it's completely acceptable to have a part two. Should I rhyme again? What happens when the need to belong goes a bit wrong? Yeah, but acknowledge it. Be like, I'm going to start this off with a little rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) We've already started. We're already going. We're already rolling. (laughs) Okay, here's a little rhyme for your time. (laughs) We can just Dr. Seuss all these episodes. We should speak in rhyme just always for everything. Do you know how challenging that is? That would be like asking me to write this out in iambic pentameter. No. All right, well, welcome to part two of The Need to Belong. Uh, If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest going back and listening to that first. It will make this episode make a bit more sense. But if you Um, don't care and you just want to be confused, have at her. Go ahead. You do you. But in this episode, we're going to talk about what happens when the need to belong goes a bit wrong. When the need to belong (laughs) goes a bit wrong. So this obviously does go wrong sometimes. I mean, if you're a bit socially awkward, you probably feel often that you're left out or you're not included or you don't belong with people. You may even know what it feels like to be shunned or avoided or ostracized. Some of the really, some of the really, really hurtful ones, like you're met with averted eyes or given the silent treatment and you know that that hurts. And humans in all cultures, whether in schools, workplaces, or homes, across every country, across the entire planet, everyone uses ostracism to regulate social behavior. So this is super interesting to me, because if you think about that, I mean, it, cut, it does kind of a bit make sense that we need to regulate social behavior in societies. We don't want people just, like, throwing their pants off and running all willy-nilly in the street all the time. <laughs> It's not a conscious thought. Like, I don't think that people were consciously like, we're going to ostracize in order to regulate. Like, I think it was like, oh, that person's done something wrong. Don't talk to them. (laughs) Not like, not so much. Like, it wasn't a vindictive thing. And, And it's so strange that it's across so many different cultural lines, because a lot of the time you won't see that. Like, you won't see social cues carry across from like, we do very things very differently in North America than people do in Europe or... People even, are very even, blunt here. Yeah, even when you're going through Europe, like the various countries in Europe will carry themselves very differently from one another. So it's not often that you see something so prevalent across all cultures. Yeah, and when something is this prevalent across like across time, across cultures, across everything, when that happens, that usually means that it's innate. It's it's biological. It's something that exists in our DNA. It's not culture-based because it happens in all cultures and it's not like time-based, like a product of, you know, the 1950s where everyone ostracized everyone. No, it, it's across all time, you know, it's, it's innate. It's inside of us. It happens everywhere. So when that happens, I mean, this is a bit of sad news, but that probably means that we can't change it unless we evolve differently. Now, That sounds 
really pessimistic. So I don't want to end on that note because... But also not really because humans are great at evolving. We've done it a lot. (laughs) Well, no, that's the thing. It's like humans have not evolved at all for the past 10,000 years. Okay, but before that we were powerhouses. (laughs) (laughs) We made it from the amoeba somehow. (laughs) We... (laughs) True. We became like standing, standing sentient beings with thumbs and no tails. And I think that we've done a lot in <laughs> in time to get here. But that's really cool to think about because yeah, humans have not evolved biologically or in any in any way in ten thousand years. So I mean, if you like time traveled and you went back in time and you got one of your ancestors and time traveled to back to now with your ancestor like nobody would be able to tell that this was a person that i mean they did probably act really weird socially but biologically like if you were just walking down the street past someone you would not be able to tell that this person does not belong in this time period you know what i mean like we have not changed at all a little bit of anthropology there for you because like we're talking like way back at the split from like Homo sapiens sapiens and <laughs> Neanderthal. Like it's way back. There is a reason that the Homo sapiens lived and the Neanderthals did not. Right. Random fact. Did you know that I have more Neanderthal genes than seventy five percent? I did I, I knew this was gonna come out because you were so obsessed with this. <laughs> When you did your DNA, yeah. you're like, is my is my forehead big? <laughs> Do I have a Neanderthal forehead? I did the 23andMe and it said I have a lot of Neanderthal genes. Anyways, <laughs> actually, my, fr- my friend had more Neanderthal genes than like 93% of the population. And I was like, damn, it's very interesting. I was only 75%. Okay, but we're going off track. So... Yeah, this sounds really pessimistic to say humans have been this way since the dawn of time and we can't change it. But I do want to mention the fact that we haven't changed in the past 10,000 years, but humans have been able to overcome their biology and we are the only creature on the planet that's ever been able to do that, which is fascinating to me. And nobody knows why, right? We don't know why we have been able to create culture that has actually changed. So let me give some examples. Think about flying. Like humans can't fly. Biologically, we do not have wings, but we've been able to use our brains and we've been able to build planes that can fly us around the world. So that's kind of an example of overcoming our biology, you know, whereas humans years ago, they just lived within like 100 kilometers of where they were born their entire lives. Now, or hopped on hopped on ships and got gangrene and you know <laughs> whatever just to travel. What's that one where you don't eat your vegetables? Yeah, that's no uh, scurvy. scurvy, scurvy, yeah, <laughs> scurvy and gangrene. <laughs> but yeah, now we can travel. We can go to the other end. We can go to the other end of the world in like twenty four hours. You know, so twenty four unpleasant hours. Can you imagine traveling for twenty four hours? I think the most I've ever traveled for is eight, and I was a gurbling mess of garbage <laughs> at the end of it like, <laughs> yeah i know your legs. i'm pretty sure the longest oh. the longest travel was either spain or costa rica just because of those bus trips right that's true that was a long they, day when we went yeah another example it's really well documented in, in anthropology that humans could only live in groups of up to 150 people 
And once a community became bigger than 150 people, it would always fracture and make two smaller groups. But then came along culture and religion and economy, and we were able to use our culture and our shared beliefs that allowed us to create communities with millions of people, you know, like we live in cities and towns now with way more than 150 people. We're not these small little bands of human anymore. And we did that not based on our biology, but based on culture. We were able to create things like traffic laws that make us understand how we can drive cars. And sometimes people are still (laughs) not very good at that. (laughs) And we made laws by the government, you know, that say like, you're not allowed to do this and you're allowed to do this. And money, too. We all believe in the concept of money, where if I want to go out and get something, I trade that for some money. So in this sense, we really overcame our biology. And that means that maybe one day we can live in a world where people, you know, are not... Have wings. Sorry, not have (laughs) wings. Have wings is not the answer we were looking for. Okay. No, where people are not shunned or ostracized, but they're more accepted for who they are. Right. Not the tangent about wings. I got it. (laughs) But to sound pessimistic again, um, this probably won't happen in our lifetime. So if it ever happens, we'll be long gone, I think. The podcast might still be around, though, so (laughs) they can listen back on what... Listen to these ostracized idiots. (laughs) (laughs) fools all right but let's get into it so what happens when this goes wrong when we when our need to belong is not satisfied what happens so people respond to ostracism with a depressed mood anxiety hurt feelings and normally they do really strong efforts to restore the relationship and if that doesn't work they eventually withdraw and Sometimes I think this can be like a self-fulfilling prophecy where, I mean, it's kind of sad where sometimes people are shunned and then they try so hard to get back into the good graces of that group that they just come off as really annoying or really desperate or trying really hard. And then it causes them to get like more shunned, you know? I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but... I think you had a really, I think you had a really good uh, example of that with the Mean Girls analogy with Gretchen Wieners. And she tries oh, yeah. to fit back in. You're never going to make fetch and happen. That, yeah. And she just get they just like, it gets worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's a theory that I actually loved reading about. And it's really interesting. It's in a book called uh, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. I hope I said that right. But uh, you should read it. It's an awesome book that goes into like the history of humankind and kind of why we are the way we are. But in this book, he discusses how like the human language evolved the way that it did, simply to gossip. You know, whereas, like, you think about other animals, um, they do have some communication in the sense, like, where monkeys, for example, a certain call that they do means, like, danger, but they can't go into such detail where they say things like, oh, yeah, well, Jack over there, he took took way more of his fair share piece of mammoth, and he he lied about having mammoth for dinner, and I'm really pissed off at him, so don't trust Jack, he's going to steal your mammoth. Was that what they talked about? (laughs) (laughs) So, wow. But you know what I Um, mean? (laughs) I will say, though, like, even when I've been, like, 
fostering relationships at work, one of the easiest ways to bond at work is to gossip. Like, the water cooler chit-chat, like, whatever. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you see what happened over here? Oh, did you... Were you here when that crazy customer came in and did this? Mm -hmm. Pooped on our floor, because that's the main one. Yeah, it is something that seems to also be biologically human, that we like to gossip about people... Probably because it gives us a sense of, like, knowing who we can trust and stuff like that. But maybe that's another story for another day. Let's go into a really interesting study. This was actually a series of studies done by Jean Twenge and her collaborators. Uh, It made me laugh a little bit. So they did a study where they wanted to see the effect of what would happen if people were socially excluded. Uh, Would, like... What would their reaction be? What would happen? So they gave some people in the study the experience of being excluded, and they gave some others the experience of being included. So this was in a couple of different forms. For example, they gave, pe- they gave some people a fake personality test, and then they told them that based on the results of their personality test, they were likely to end up alone later in life. They also had some people meet some other people and then they were told after that that the people they met didn't like them and didn't want them to be part of their group so i mean you can imagine if you if you're in a study and you get these results you know that you're going to be that you're going to die alone or that people don't like you it does kind of hurt you a bit but then they took this study a step further and they said okay what will these people do when now we put them in other situations so In the second part of the study, they did a couple things. They gave some people an aptitude test, and the people who were socially included did a lot better on the test than the people who received the news that they weren't included. You can kind of think about how that translates to real life. I mean, if you're bullied all the time, you tend to do worse in school because, I mean, there's results right here showing that people do worse on tests when they don't feel included. In another one, they put people in a room with healthy snacks and unhealthy snacks, and the people who were socially included ate less and ate healthier than the people who were not included, meaning we're more likely to engage in unhealthy behaviors if we feel left out. Nothing soothes the soul more than a bag of Doritos, is all I'm saying. Eat your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) This one was my favorite. They gave other people the opportunity to actually hurt the people that that left them out essentially so when people were told oh yeah these people don't like you they don't want your you in their group in the second part of the study they gave people the opportunity to deliver a loud blast of noise to the people that left them out but they had the choice they said you can press this button and it will deliver a really uncomfortable loud blast of noise into the room where these people are sitting who left you out or you can choose to not hit the button. And the people who were socially included, they didn't hit the button. But the people who were socially excluded, they banged on that button. They delivered a loud blast of noise to the people in the room. Just a little bit of revenge. Just a wee bit. And let's talk a little bit about online. So the world is now so much more online. And cyber ostracism hurts a lot too. I mean, this is way more prevalent in real life than it used to be. Like, think of trolls. People can literally say anything on the internet and anything that can be said on the internet 
will be said on the internet. I want you to know that I didn't think of internet trolls when you said that. I just want to make that clear. When you said think of trolls... I immediately went like under the bridge. And then I kind of thought about those trolley dolls. Do you remember those? Yeah. And that's where my head was at. And then I was a little confused when we started, but then I got, I'm back on track now. (laughs) I'm with you guys. I just did not follow immediately. Well, I worked for like a pretty well known influencer before and receiving hurtful comments, like it hurts and it hurts always, even if you don't know the people on the other end, and even if you know that they're not talking to you personally, it still hurts and it still ruins your day to see those. So, I mean, like people can post all the good comments that you want, and it's going to be that one bad comment that sticks in your mind. And those are the ones that that wreck you at working in customer service too. Like you can have 50 lovely customers, and it, but it's that one mean one that you get that ruins your entire day. That's just And I think the is. worst I think the worst part of it, oh my gosh, with retail is like I can try my absolute hardest for 7 hours of my 8-hour day. And then that last hour when I'm feeling exhausted cuz people are terrible and I don't give it 100% or maybe I am giving it 100% but it feels like I'm not giving it 100% to a customer and they say something horrible to me, well, then it's like, okay, it's my fault. But really, it probably isn't. I'm probably being absolutely fine with them. But because they've reacted poorly to my, like, I'm like, oh, God, it's something I did. And then I go back and I think about it. And I'm like, no, no, I literally treated them like I would treat anyone else. But that's the one that I stewed on. And that's the one that sat with me. So it doesn't matter that, like, the five customers I helped before that were, like, oh, thank you so much. This was so helpful. You're so great. I can't believe that you knew exactly what I wanted and blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter because that one person was a dink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always it's always those ones that... And, they, and it really can ruin your day. Like, I remember when I was waitressing, like, yeah, I had lovely customers all day who were great. And when I had that one that was just a complete asshole, I had a bad day. Always. Um... But let's look at a study that looked at cyber ostracism, so online. So even when people are faceless, even when we will never meet them and never know them, it takes a toll on us. So in a study by Williams 2000, they had 1,486 participants from 62 countries play an online game with two other people. But the thing they didn't know was that these two other people actually didn't exist. They were a computer. And eventually, over time, these computers would begin to leave out and ignore the real human player. So all that happened was they were just left out of a game online. That's it. But then in a follow-up experiment, those people had poor moods, they were more likely to confirm wrong judgments, and their brain activity actually showed a response in the part of their brain that is associated with physical pain. And other studies have found this response in the brain as well, that being ostracized is real physical pain to our brains. And if you think about this, this was just a tiny little lab experiment. It's the same with the other study too. These are just little experiments, you know, where people are told they're going to die alone or they're left out of an online game or they're just told that these people they met don't want to be their friend. Just in one little tiny study... So you wonder, like, what is the implication of this in society, especially 
if you have a series of rejection or chronic exclusion, if you are, you know, bullied every single day of your life, if you're left out of things, like what happens when this goes really, really wrong and you feel like you don't belong anywhere? So it's pretty widely known actually in research that children who are reared in environments of extreme neglect or in institutions without belonging to anybody, they become very, very anxious creatures. It's that need to belong that was never met, and they will have lifelong issues from this. It's, it affects their brain biology. It's not something that they can heal. You know, it, When it happens to you when you're young, it becomes a part of who you are, unfortunately. And how many times have you heard a story on the news, you know, that there's been another school shooting and the perpetrator, typically when you look at them, they were a loner, they were bullied, they had no friends, they acted weird, they didn't fit in with society, you know. It's not the people who are well-adjusted, who feel like they belong, that act out, lash out. Yeah, that act out and lash out. It's the people who don't have that core need met. Also, you know, you've heard about jealous ex-partners harming their ex when they tried to leave or things like that. Like, this is what causes people often to do things that we don't understand. You know, we, we never understand, like, why people do the things that they do. And it's it's oftentimes, like, if you look down at the core of it, it's this need to belong that hasn't been met. Another way it can go wrong, of course, is losing your loved ones. So for the jilted, for the widowed, for people alone in strange places, loss of social bonds can trigger pain, anger, withdrawal. You know, when we lose a close relationship, we can feel jealous, lonely, distraught, bereaved. And uh, some studies even say, too, that we become more mindful of death. I know like I lost uh, my grandmother a few weeks ago and it really did leave me thinking like about life, you know, like we're just on this like train track and life is chugging along and eventually, you know, like 10 years ago, everything was all good. And now we've come to the point along the train tracks where it's ended and it really makes you think about your own mortality a lot too. I I mean, I've also experienced this many times moving Like, I remember when I first moved to university and my parents were helping me move in and then it came time for them to leave and they left. And I remember I had a really weird moment that I didn't expect to have where I kind of sat down on my bed and my parents were gone and I had this like realization, this little like light bulb moment that, oh my God, I'm completely alone in this city. I don't know a single person in this city, if I had trouble right now, or if I needed help, or if I needed to ask somebody anything. I need an adult, but there's <laughs> but there's no adult. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know anybody here. And it was a really distressing thought. It didn't last very long, because then I met you and Brie. <clears throat> it didn't last very long, because then I met you and B. Oh. Yep, just call her whatever you want. <laughs> it didn't. Our third friend that doesn't exist. sorry (laughs) it didn't last very long because then I met you and Brie but I had like a a very weird moment that I yeah I didn't expect also when I first moved to Aruba I had that too I remember like I had 
one friend when I moved to Aruba. And then we kind of like got to the point where we weren't really friends anymore. And I was just like, whoa, uh, just like a big realization of like, whoa, I don't have any other friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> problematic. So I hope that we've answered this question over the course of these past two episodes, like why being socially awkward hurts so much. And it really is because it threatens this core need to belong. And when we act a little bit socially awkward, we tend to get left out of things, which threatens that core need to belong, which leaves us feeling really, really miserable about it and often ruminating on it and, you know, thinking about it at 2 a.m., Puppets. (laughs) Puppets. <laughs> that time you made a hand puppet. I'm scarred for life. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> so what's the solution? We've already mentioned that we probably can't change society as a whole. We can try to reduce ostracizing or bullying. And I think those efforts can help. But maybe I'm just being really pessimistic that I think some... Some form of this will always exist. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's that pessimistic. Like I think about it it's it's probably also a need to protect society, right? Like I think that that's an innate need in human beings is to protect the society that you're a part of. And if our biological response is to ostracize those that we perceive as a threat, So not necessarily because you're being socially awkward, but if you're doing something that makes someone uncomfortable, which a lot of the time I think I do, like it's, hi, (laughs) Um, anything that makes someone uncomfortable, they perceive as a threat. So ostracizing is is probably just the way to protect your, your group, your society. And so I think that when you have those two conflicting things, right, like we don't necessarily want people to feel left out and ostracized, but we also want to protect that group we're already a part of. I think that you're never going to really get rid of that ostracization, especially because it's such an effective way of controlling that in society. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a sad way of controlling it. But yeah, I mean, we've used it since the dawn of time, so it must be (laughs) effective. It's effective, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this actually opens me up to another episode idea that um, I want to do in the future. But it is really diving more into that because, um, yeah, although humans have this need to belong... We are not loving, peaceful, accepting creatures that <laughs> just take... We're a little bit contradictory, you know? <laughs> nah, bro. Yeah, we have this huge, like, us versus them complex. And that has existed since the dawn of time as well. So I think that we should have another episode eventually on that us versus them thing. Survival instinct. Yeah. You know? Like, if we have a need to belong, why do we always leave people out? Like, we are perfectly okay... Like, as long as we belong, we, we want to make sure that we belong, but we're totally okay with just leaving everybody else out. No big deal. <laughs> Fend for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And we see this everywhere from students getting left out in school, bullied by their peers, picked last in gym class to very real problems in society like racism, you know, where people are left out for something simple and stupid like the color of their skin. Which is also, like, I mean, for as long as there have been people opposed to racism and raising voices against it, 
it is still prevalent in society and you you can't look me in the face and say it isn't because mm-hmm. we can see the problems that are still happening in society and we i mean i myself have white privilege no i have it and and like still will go about my day oblivious to it 95% of the time because it's just always something that i've had mm-hmm. and so like for as long as there has been like voices raised in opposition to racism it still exists mm-hmm. like so it's so hard to like yeah it's the same thing with like change that, that yeah that ostracizing yeah it's it's something that is really and and yeah like this is also something that hasn't existed biologically since the dawn of time just like this uh using ostracism to regulate human behavior we have always had that us versus them you know it doesn't always it doesn't always show up in the same forms sometimes you know it's like against catholics or something you know like there's been tons of there's tons of examples throughout history of groups of people getting persecuting yeah persecuting other groups of people for no particular reason yeah Yeah. so yeah like god why are why are we so contradictory why can't we (laughs) why are we why are we so (laughs) shitty (laughs) humans really are like we are an interesting breed (laughs) but if you're looking for a solution to this because i really think that that should be a main thing that we discuss like what is the solution if you're feeling left out you need to have a place to turn i mean bottom line we're not going to be able to avoid those situations always where we feel left out but if you have a place to turn a safe judgment-free space that is when things start to get better we've touched on this a lot in other episodes and um if you have that if you have people that you can turn to it makes you feel better about the things that didn't go your way about when you felt left out I text Emily when that happens to me. Text Emily and I say, oh, this happened. Or, oh, I'm at a party and everyone speaks Dutch and I'm just sitting here. Entertain me. <laughs> Entertain. Or if I, have a, if I have a terrible customer at work, I usually give you a voice note about it. Mm-hmm. Makes it feel better. Yeah, it'll still hurt, but maybe a bit less if you have your people. So we referenced a lot of studies um, in the past couple episodes. They are listed in our blog. There's a link to it in... Except for the ones we couldn't remember because just Google, like I think, <laughs> will help you yeah, with that. Yeah, just Google those ones. Sorry. Those were two that we... I think that they're... was off the top of my head. <laughs> it's in my university textbook. If you want to go through it and find it, I'll mail it to you. But <laughs> Nah, I'm good. If you want to look at any of these studies in detail, they're in our blog in the show notes. You can click the link and take a look. If not, no big deal. We summarized it for you. And I think that's that. Be nice to people. Try try to overcome your biology. The next time you want to be mean to someone, be like, hey, is this my biology talking? Is this my genes? Is this my DNA telling me to be mean? I'm not going to. I'm going to overcome it. <laughs> overcome your DNA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just our banner for the show. Mostly awkward. Overcome your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is possible. Hard, but possible. I'm telling you, one day humans will have wings. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll leave you with that thought. Talk to you next week. Yeah. Yeah.
Thanks for listening. If you're mostly awkward and want to hear more, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Mostly Awkward podcast. New ones are out every Tuesday, and they're available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to chat? Email us at mostlyawkwardpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Reddit at mostlyawkwardpod or Twitter at mostlyawkpod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, mostlyawkwardpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See See you next week. week!